1: It won't bother you it's the living you gotta worry
0: about something if i couldn't keep them there with me whole I, at least i felt that i could keep uh, their skeletons
2: Hello and welcome to the Bad Taste Crimecast. I'm Vicki. I'm Janelle. Wow. I was saying you sound classier as you're holding a glass of wine, <laughs> which we are drinking this, this the same wine from the last episode. I don't know if we talked about it or not, but I got this amazing honey crisp apple wine. Ooh, it really does smell very apple-y. It's so good. I didn't smell it before I drank it. I just drank it. No. Yeah. this It's like apple juice, except it's got a little bit of cinnamon. Oh my God. Adult it's really good. Apple juice. We have turned into to the wine cast, the bad taste wine cast. <laughs> um, if this is your first time listening, <laughs> damn Janelle. As I hit all of the microphone equipment with a <laughs> giant fucking glass. A special hello to you. Uh, we have a great show for you, as always, as is usual. <laughs> but first, let's head over to the newsroom. So I wanted to talk about this because we didn't get a chance to talk about it on the last episode. And as of right now, the bill hasn't been signed. But recently, a bill came up in California to close private prison facilities, along with privately owned ICE detention centers. Sweet. Yes, which I was like, woo, awesome. Woo. Yes, woo, big old woo, woo. <laughs> so when this episode comes out, this is going to be a few weeks ago, and like I said, as of this time, the bill hasn't been signed, although the governor has very much signaled that this is something he supports. This bill will more than likely close down the four large immigration detention centers that they have at the moment that can currently hold up to 4,500 people at a time. Of course, People in criminal criminal justice reform, and personally, are very excited about it. I'm personally very excited about it because I think private prisons are bullshit. Uh, duh! I don't think that people <laughs> should be profiting off of um, mass incarceration. Mm-hmm. And I also feel that way about many things, like private schools. And- right. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I could go on for days. Yeah. Yeah. So, according to this article from the Guardian, the Private prison industry has for a long time seen California as kind of like their cash cow, essentially. As recently as twenty sixteen, they were locking up private private prisons only. We're locking up approximately seven thousand Californians, which is about five percent of the state's total prison population. However, as of June of this year, twenty nineteen, that number has gone down to approximately 2,222 of California's total inmate population. So it's interesting that it has actually been waning quite a bit. But of course, there are people who are not super thrilled about this, i.e. the people making money off of people being incarcerated or held in ICE detention centers. I don't know. I'm very excited about it. I, it. Again, it's something I wanted to highlight. These big moves in criminal justice reform. I like to bring these on the show so that we can talk about them. But what are your thoughts on this?
3: Um, yeah, I'm with you. I especially the ICE detention centers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those shouldn't have even fucking existed. But mm-hmm. you know, yeah, privatizing anything runs a lot of risks and is obviously for profit. So you're not going to be getting the best quality although people try to build it that way it's it never is no no it never ever is no
2: It also, I mean, private prisons have also led to, I don't want to say it's solely responsible for, it is one of the many factors that have led to our culture of mass incarceration, Mm -hmm. specifically incarcerating brown and black people for petty crimes for long periods to make Mm -hmm. bank off of their lives. That's kind of not okay. Okay. Really? Just a little (laughs) bit. Just just a little bit, but a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Not okay. The interesting thing about the timing of this is it actually comes at a point in time where the contracts, at least for the ICE facilities, are coming to an end under this bill. They wouldn't be able to renew those contracts unless they were able to find a workaround with the government. That's kind of where it's at right now. Mm -hmm. And again, we're not a political podcast. But it's worth saying, yeah, it's worth saying, again, sometimes these things cross over. It's worth saying that California and the Trump administration have also been kind of butting heads as far as immigration detention goes. And Chicago. and Well, and Chicago. California is one of many of these... um, Like people that have sanctuary cities Mm -hmm. that have been kind of butting heads with the administration. So, this is kind of. Yeah, yeah. For other people, not for Illinoisians. (laughs) No, not at all. But as long as you're not from here, it's fine.
3: Yeah. Come here and then realize Um, why you don't want to be
2: here. (laughs) So, I'm interested to see how this is going to play out. I think most of it will be positive, but I do anticipate some sort of. Lawsuit or um, workaround from some of these independent companies that own these private facilities. So we will have to see, but we'll keep you posted. Are you winking I just, at me? I just did a winking finger gun, at Janelle. You. If you could, I'm sure if you heard that noise I just made, you're probably like, she just did a winking finger gun.
3: And <laughs> I can almost not see you, so I'm just going to sink
2: lower into the microphone
3: stand.
2: <laughs> <laughs> just sit over there and drink your wine and shut up, Juno. You know. My two no. sips
3: <laughs> of wine that I'm yeah.
2: taking the teeniest mm-hmm. little licks. Yeah. Uh, So we are going to move on to Netflix and Kill. This week we're talking about a documentary called Roll, Red Roll. I actually just watched it. Did you? It's on my list to watch and haven't gotten around to it yet. Which is very
3: funny because I haven't really been able to watch much of anything because of all the homework I've had to do.
2: I haven't been (laughs) able to watch anything because of work. Yeah. But... Here we are. Yeah, it was very interesting. Yeah, so it's a 2018 documentary that is based on the Steubenville High School rape case. For those of you that aren't familiar with the case, this is Steubenville, Ohio. Um, this happened in August on August 11th, 2012. A high school girl who had been drinking large amounts of alcohol became incapacitated. She was publicly and repeatedly sexually assaulted by um, her peers. Mm-hmm. Many of which who documented it and put it on social media accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, very awful, very vulgar situation. Yep. Not great. Now, the documentary itself is meant to kind of, I, I don't know, would you say like highlight this kind of boys will be boys culture and the way social media plays that, into yes. it. Um,
3: also, uh, gross misconduct by institutions who have something to risk. Steubenville mm-hmm. is a huge, huge football, high school football area. Mm-hmm. That school in particular where they were from feeds into a lot of the big college. Like the Big Ten schools. Yeah. yeah, Football programs. So it went into a lot about uh, the misconduct of, of the school system and the rape culture of the Midwest, mm, <laughs> uh, yeah, there also was a woman on there who is a blogger who started blogging about this event when she found out about it. And basically we we tell you, like yeah. don't directly contact people, don't use names. She was using names. She was directly contacting students who knew these kids who were accused of the rape and trying to get more information right. She went a little too far, but in doing so, she brought massive attention to this, and it became a national news story. Yeah. I don't
2: agree with her tactics, but they did see results. Yeah. Her name is Alexandra Goddard. Mm-hmm. She has a true crime blog yes. that I could get you the name of if... Sweet. <laughs> this is how my life works now. As you say, if my computer was cooperating... <laughs> We don't even need to do this podcast anymore. Nope. We'll just listen to Inside Edition. It's fine. Um, anyway, so what did you think of it? It was pretty
3: good. There were yeah. some points where they were interviewing some people, or I was just like, if you're interviewing this person way too fucking much, Like, pull back a little. Yeah. But I wish they would have heard more from students directly they played a lot of interrogation tapes of students mm. um which was interesting yeah because i was like these kids are were underage at the time is that appropriate i don't know yeah but they were playing a lot of the recorded stuff about they interviewed these kids and they were just trying to get an idea of the timeline and who was where and who was with who and so they interviewed a bunch of girls who were saying you know i know i didn't step up and I didn't tell that girl she should stay here. Like, because the, the timeline of what happened is she started at one person's party, went to a second party, mm-hmm. and then went to the third location where she was assaulted.
2: hmm
3: And at the first two parties she, pro- like, in actually the first one she got way drunk. Yeah. And it progressed to the second party where she was stumbling around and starting to become incoherent. And yeah. She arrived at the third place. She was out fucking cold. Mm-hmm. So, during the first and second parties, there were many opportunities for other girls there who were her friends and other people who knew her to assist her, and Mm -hmm. they didn't. They let her go with these group of boys. Yeah. And so, during these interviews and interrogations with these students as they're trying to figure out this timeline and who was with her, this one girl was like, I know that I should have stopped her, and I know that I should have said something and told her to stay and gave her some water. But I was like, she has friends with her, she'll be fine. Yeah. So you can see a lot of this, like, um, guilt.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. But also
3: on the other side, there is some victim blaming with the people who are friends with the boys saying, like, well, she was, you know, she didn't say no, she was drinking, she was drunk, everything was fine. Was
2: like, uh, which is like, you know, that doesn't make it okay. No, that doesn't make can't it fine. She can verbalize
3: no, doesn't mean that she's not you
2: know she didn't say it yes like, yes yeah no answer is still no <laughs> mm, yeah so if you're looking for a real downer of yeah, a documentary if you're for a fucking downer yeah and remembering why you hated high school yeah that one is called roll red roll we'll check it out on <laughs> netflix before we move on to our topic today, this is that part of the show where we say content may not be appropriate for all listeners. Oops, we, um, we already told a story that was not I know. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. You guys know the drill. Not, the, not the graphic details, yeah. but um, today we're going to be talking about um, murder, scary situations, Mine's um, actually not that confinement. Bad. Mine's pretty
3: Mine is pretty actually... Brutal. A Little lighthearted.
2: Oh, good. <laughs> then I better start because. End whoo- on a high note. <laughs> yeah, we're going to need it. We're going to need it. Oh, no, I'm not ready.
3: I won't <coughs> be able to tell my story because I'm going to be so depressed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so today I want to talk about Joseph Polzinski. He grew up in Baltimore County, and it seemed like he had some troubles from the start, really. In 1983, Zinski was involved in a school bus accident, causing an injury to his head. He had been standing while the bus was moving, as you do as you're in like middle high school, right?
3: Yeah, and then the bus driver is like, sit down!
2: Yeah. <laughs> that just my bus driver. <laughs> nope, that was mine, too. Um,
3: Actually, if they would have been able to say fuck, they would have been like, set the fuck
2: down. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, totally. Um, so the while he was standing, he was standing while the bus was moving, and then that bus rammed, ran into another bus in the school parking lot, oh, and he was thrown into a window that caused um, damage to his oh, head. Boy. Six days later, he flew into what was diagnosed as a post-traumatic psychotic episode, marking the beginning of what would pan out to be this very violent life. Traumatic brain injury? Could have been. Violence. Could have mm-hmm. been. And this was in like I said, it was in the eighties. Um uh, it was nineteen eighty three when this accident happened. So like some of those brain injuries They didn't know how to diagnose or or misdiagnosed. Mm -hmm. Um, So he finished high school in 1987. And then he started this cycle of kind of going in and out of jail for various offenses, most of them relating to violence in some way, shape or form. Much of his time, much of the time, his violence was aimed at women go figure right as you do sometimes go fucking figure i love how we also love to highlight these injustices to women on this podcast just saying we are female driven here it's true it's true he's described in various articles as quite a ladies man with expensive cars and good looks and this kind of like mysterious bad boy vibe to him but Every single time, like once Polzinski had been dating his partners for long enough, his violent truth would kind of reveal itself. So it's you lure these women in with this, like, really, you know, you're good looking. You have good taste in expensive things. And you have this kind of mysterious, like, ooh, he's kind of a bad boy. But no, he's a fucking bad boy. Mm -hmm. That will beat you which is fucked up um but according to an article by it's for the Sun by lionel smith over the course of 13 years he dated multiple young women and he tended to go for young women
3: easier to control mm-hmm.
2: all of which were lured in by his charm only to ultimately ultimately be treated like trash in the end I'm going to run through this list of everybody because this is not the main part of the story, oh but God. it's relevant. Okay. So, in 1987, he beat his girlfriend, 16-year-old Amy, and held her captive for a time. Hold
3: on. How old is he? So, he graduated
2: in 1987. So, he would have been around 18. 18. Yeah. For some reason, I was like, he's way older than that 16. Well, still, that's statutory rape. In the
0: 80s? In 1988,
2: he gave his girlfriend, 16-year-old Kimberly, a black eye, knocked her to her knees, and threatened her with a razor. For this, he received two years probation and counseling, but became so disruptive event meetings and missed so many that the judge revoked the sentence and ordered four years jail time of this serious lifetime movie flashbacks right now. right of this he served two years before being released for good behavior It's <clears> because <throat> there's no women in the prison for him. Yeah, right <laughs> who knew in 1991 17 year old sharon was attacked at school where he threatened to blow her brains out he was arrested for I this. I like as how w- he keeps getting older. Oh, man. I and almost, they all and stay, stay the same. same. Yeah. That is not on purpose, but mm. relevant. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what is happening here. <laughs> he was arrested for this as well. And while he was out on bail and contrary to a no, a no contact order that he had received, he contacted Sharon 15 times oh, and threatened to kill her if she testified. He was arrested again and was sent for psychiatric evaluation when after three days, he spotted an open door and ran out of said open door and sprinted into the woods and disappeared until 1992 when he assaulted a 16-year-old girl from Gooding, Idaho, who called the police. So he managed to go from Baltimore County to Idaho. (laughs) Um, she called the police. When they arrived, he was barricaded inside of her apartment. And following a 16-hour standoff, Polzinski was arrested and charged with violating federal gun laws, to which he pled not guilty by reason of insanity. He spent the next two years in various psychiatric care facilities in multiple states before being released with a clean bill of health, as in his report said he had fully recovered. Okay. <laughs> and Totally
3: plausible.
2: Right. Which I, I'm always like, especially when you have people who clearly already has a history of violence that is documented by court records, that he would then, you know, receive this like, he's cured of all of this, like... No. no. And it was very much like a when he was taking his medication and following his program, he was fine. But the minute he got off of the program and stopped taking his medication, he became really, really violent again, mm-hmm. as you would probably expect. Then in 1995, 17-year-old Michela, who was not only Polzinski's girlfriend, but at the time was carrying his child. She left a video store where she worked when he forced her into a car after he had seen her, she was four months pregnant and he had seen her light up a cigarette and it like enraged him. So he went to where she worked, forced her into his car, drove to his apartment and then began kicking her in the stomach. This happened again two days later, which is like, it's going to harm the baby more than the cigarette. Right. Yeah, the same thing happened again two days later, after which Michelle had a miscarriage. For this, he received 10 years probation, but this whole incident was a violation of his earlier probation, and so he was sent back to jail for three years. (laughs) While in prison, Belzinski's mother filed for divorce from his stepfather, who left the home without filing a reply to the complaint which also alleged abuse from his stepfather Mm. and this all happened by the time that polzinski had been released from prison so this is all happening while he's in jail later in 1999 his stepfather shot himself and polzinski was the one to find his body of course yeah (laughs) which all of this leads us to what today's actual story is strapping I'm ready (laughs) (laughs) following his stint in prison um, Polzinski began dating a woman named Tracy Whitehead she was 22 when the two of them dated which is the oldest woman that he had dated so far and at this time he was in his like early to mid 20s. It was like the first one that was like around the same age an as adult. him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An adult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he might have even been in his late 20s if he graduated in 87, this was in 99. So yeah, yeah. probably mid to late 20s and she was 22. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> uh she unfortunately for him eventually decided to end the relationship. They had dated for 2 years and she decided to end the relationship which I'm sure you can guess how he reacted. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert, it wasn't great. I'm sure we can guess why she wanted to end the relationship. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. She definitely saw this violent side to him and was like, fuck this, I'm out of here. The two tried to talk things out, but it quickly turned into this really violent situation. And when the police arrived, they saw Tracy, who was like bloodied, and immediately arrested Polzinski. Mm -hmm. He was taken to jail where he stayed for two days before his mom posted bail for him. And then, Thanks, <laughs> yeah, she did that on more than one occasion.
1: Well, and I mean, she's a
2: victim of abuse, too. So, Right, right. Yeah. And it's, it's, again, it's your kid. It's like, yeah. He posted bail and then he decided to set to work to win Tracy's love back. Oh, sort of. Man. Sort of, kind of. In his own way, in his own very special way. On March 7th, 2000, persuading a friend to illegally buy him a rifle and a shotgun, he broke into the home of George and Gloria Shank, where Tracy had been staying at the time, and he shot both George and Gloria along with their neighbor David Myers who had come over to try and intervene to like stop him from doing anything to Tracy shot all three of them to death before kidnapping and raping Tracy one way to win love back this yeah right like just taking it this sparked off what would be a 10 day manhunt for Polzinski, including roadblocks and like borders around the area that he was believed to be hiding out. Although he was able to evade capture and even like was able to travel through some of these checkpoints and barriers at least twice in that time period without That's police noticing. <laughs> yeah. The following evening after the triple shooting, there was a fourth shooting that occurred in Polzinski's attempt to hijack a car. Jennifer McDonald, who is a pregnant mother of a two-year-old was the driver. And she was killed by a ricochet bullet when Polzinski was trying to do this. What I, what I might say <laughs> do the thing, <laughs> is an unsuccessful hijacking. He doesn't end up taking her car. She just dies. Um, unfortunately, this, I think probably freaked him out a little bit. And he decided that instead of taking that car, he instead hijacked an 81-year-old woman without incident. She was not injured. Now that he had a car, Polzinski took Tracy to the Elrich Motel, where the clerks failed to notice the man was checking The man that was checking in was Polzinski, because you got to think, at this point in time, his name and face were plastered everywhere. Like, police were looking for him everywhere. There were wanted posters and all over the news. They just didn't notice. After all of this was over, Tracy did an interview with WJZ Channel 13 in Baltimore, Maryland, where she kind of explains next. So I'm going to play a little clip from this interview, and I will let her tell you what happens next. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) That's when David Myers came around. He heard me and he shot him. Then we walked to a field and he told me to lay on my stomach and he put the shotgun up to the back of my neck. And all I kept saying is, please, please, if you're going to kill me, let me call my son and tell him I love him and call my family and tell him I love him before you kill me. We went in, he turned the TV on, he seen the South on the news, he seen that. You know, someone had died, Miss McDonald, and he looked at me and he smiled, and I put my head down and I cried, they said she was a mother, and I just shook my head, and um, then he was like, we gotta go, we gotta go, so we walked out, walked around, and he said, oh my God, the police are here, there's only one police car, and all of a sudden I just started running. I knew the, the guns were in the car. He couldn't shoot me. That was the only chance, the best chance I had.
2: Okay, so as you said, she sees cops in the parking lot and is like, this is fucking it. Mm-hmm. I need to go now. And he panicked, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, ran into the Woods. There was like some nearby woods that he escaped into. Somehow after all of this, Polzinski ended up in Virginia where he crossed paths with a man named William Tyrrell and forced him to drive him um, to a Virginia shopping center in order to buy food and like all of this various survival gear. And then he told Terrell that if he didn't comply, he was going to shoot whoever was around. And I'm sure at this point, he fucking meant it. He had already killed four people. So Um, police were able to later find Terrell in his car around 3.30 a.m. the next day, unharmed, after Polzinski had released him. And he had decided to keep his promise not to call police. He had just stayed there. which I found interesting, (laughs) and police found him. I'm sure at that point in time, he may have been reported missing. It's hard to say, but he was able to make it out unharmed. Unfortunately, Polzinski wasn't quite done with Tracy yet. At this point, he was able to go back through all of the barriers that police had set up and back into Dundalk, Maryland, where... Um, instead of going after Tracy, he went after Tracy's family. At the home, he found Tracy's mother, Lynn, and her boyfriend, Andrew McCord, and their 12-year-old son, Bradley McCord. All three of these people were held hostage for the next 97 hours. Oh, God. Yeah. And this totally, it resulted in this huge police standoff in the neighborhood. And when you go back and look at these videos, and I'll put, I should put I think I have all the ones that I happened to see while I was there. Put them with the notes um on our website. But they have the news outlets covering this standoff with police and the neighborhood is like your standard suburban subdivision. I mean it's a very it just looks like a quiet neighborhood mm-hmm. where nothing goes on and just police everywhere. <laughs> Police, who were of course surprised to find out he had made it back inside their barriers, immediately surrounded the house. They shut down access to the neighborhood. No one was in la- allowed inside of what they were considering their inner perimeter, and residents were actually asked to leave their homes and they were moved to stay in a shelter that had been set up at a nearby elementary school. Police also commandeered a nearby home to set up like a command post of sorts. Of course his single demand was that he be allowed to talk to Tracy. Um, of course. <laughs> right, yeah. Something which was repeatedly and unequivocally denied by police. They were like, no fucking way. Yeah. Because obviously, if this is the only thing that he's asking for, if he gets that thing, chances are he'll kill the people that are in the house. Mm-hmm. At this point, um, Tracy herself had been moved to an undisclosed location that was later revealed to be a Holiday Inn that was under 24-hour police surveillance. Both parties appeared to be at this kind of stalemate, and police were—they were even going on the news saying, "We're ready to wait you out. Like, we're going to be here." If you know, all he was wanting was to talk to Tracy. That's his only demand. Police were like. All right. Well, fun. <laughs> we'll we'll be here when you're ready to do something. But then on March 21st, 2000, in speaking to his hostages, Polzinski warned them that if he didn't speak to Tracy, he was gonna, they were going to die the next day. That's what he was telling the hostages. And fearing for her life and doing something incredibly smart, Lynn Whitehead was able to slip a Xanax and, into polzinski's drink during dinner because i'm assuming he's probably forcing them to make dinner and stuff Mm -hmm. um yeah she was able to slip a xanax into his dinner which i was like oh my god that's so smart (laughs) and so she and andrew mccord were able to escape through a window later in the evening leaving their son behind with the assumption that he'd be able to be rescued by police
3: this sounds familiar
2: does it? I feel like there was a movie made out of made from this. I think there might have been. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, um, but there was definitely a lot of controversy around Tracy and Andrew McCord, or not Tracy, um, Lynn, Andrew McCord later, which we'll talk about yeah. towards the end. She but
3: your fucking kid there.
2: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And he... With a
3: murderer.
2: Yeah. And he was asleep. When they found him, the the child, he was asleep on the kitchen floor. So, like, that's... It It was not a great situation. We'll talk about them later. (laughs) Because they come up again. The boy left in the house um, would actually become this kind of driving force for police to enter the home a lot quicker. According to an article by Frederick Kunkel for The Washington Post, quote, led by two tactical officers and armed with nine millimeter submachine guns, county police stormed the Lang Street apartment to end the siege and rescue Bradley McCord, who was sleeping. Officers Frank D. Burial, 36, and Robert... (sighs) Robbery O'Jones 37 open fire with 9mm MP5 Heckler and Koch submachine guns. Each has a 30 round magazine.
3: Not enough bullets.
2: (laughs) Well, the later autopsy revealed that Polzinski had been shot 27 times. Between the head and torso, four bullets severed major arteries and 19 hit non vital organs, causing massive internal bleeding from which he would eventually die. The rest, it seems, landed between his jaw. They talked about one of the bullets shattered his jaw hit his ribs and a lung and a couple even missed only to be recovered later by investigators. It was like seven or eight bullets that were recovered mm-hmm. by investigators that weren't physically inside of his body somewhere. The autopsy didn't reveal any drugs or alcohol other than the Xanax that he had been given by Lynn. And it's worth noting that the public was not totally convinced um that things had to turn out with 27 bullets inside of the attacker Mm -hmm. but police continue to hold that the shootings were justified. It's hard to say when you're rolling in with some machine guns. Um, Some machine guns is like, no thanks. But they also, in some of the articles I talked they talked about, we don't understand why they had to use such violence against an unarmed man but I'm also thinking well, he had a bunch of guns Mm -hmm. with him but then i thought most of the guns i think were left in the car at the hotel after tracy escaped so i don't know that he was able to really get any more unless they had guns in the house yeah i don't know especially if he was drugged like yeah (laughs) 20 27 bullets for a sleeping dude i don't know it does seem a little excessive personally but Not long after Polzinski's death, a 48-year-old woman named Constance Ann Woe was uh, charged with illegally purchasing firearms for a convicted felon. And while she didn't have any prior criminal history, she had been paid by Polzinski the day before his rampage to um, buy the weapons for someone she knew was a felon. For this, she received 16 months in jail, and later, after a civil lawsuit was filed, she was ordered to pay $450,000 to the victim's families. (laughs) Yeah. She later filed for bankruptcy protection, and her homeowner's insurance paid $100,000 that was split between the three families. (laughs) Now, in an interesting twist, I said we were going to come back to Lynn and Andrew McCord. Yes. In an interesting twist, Andrew McCord, who was one of the hostages, attempted to collect a $10,000 reward that had been offered by Metro Crime Stoppers, saying that he was the first one to call 911, which led to Polzinski's death slash arrest, if you call you know, and an arrest but he's like well I called 911 so I should get this reward um yeah no <laughs> this was rejected because he hadn't called the hotline mm-hmm. to like give a tip that led to the arrest yeah. Tracy's family who had been held hostage also filed a lawsuit against the police claiming that the police had failed to protect them but police also came out and said they offered them many forms of protection when they knew that Tracy had been kidnapped by the sex boyfriend of hers. They went to the family and said, We can have an officer stay at the house. We can have a unit parked out in front of the car. And we can increase patrols in the neighborhood, all of which they were just like, Nah, we're good. Yeah. Um, So obviously, Polzinski died from his injuries. I wasn't able to find anything as far as the result of that lawsuit. My assumption is they probably would have been denied um, and discarded. Who knows? But Tracy was able to be returned safely, which I guess is great. Although he also killed four people, but he's dead. So... That's the story of the crazy manhunt slash hostage situation, which is what our episode is about, which I realized I didn't say that at the top. (laughs) Yeah, didn't say it at the top. We're talking about hostage situations, but the story of Joseph Polzinski.
3: So, mine is not as terrible as That's that.
2: That's why I'm like, I'm glad we started with mine because it was like pretty fucking violent. The guy was terrible and beat women and yes. shot four people. So, I please mean, lighten the mood in here.
3: <laughs> it's still a hostage
2: situation.
3: So, I'm going to read like a, a brief quote so you can just get a feel for what we're going to be talking about. Okay, in my I'm ready. Story. I'm ready. Ahem. Humans are the most destructive, filthy, pollutive creatures around and are wrecking what's left of the planet with their false morales and breeding culture.
2: Wow. Damn. I mean, you're yes. not wrong, but you're also kind of a dick. Yes. So
3: these are the words of the John and Kate plus eight looking motherfucker called James Lee. Does he really look like yes. John and, from John and Kate Pussy? He does. He also looks like a Mr. Potato Head, like a really grumpy Mr. Potato Head in some of the other pictures. Oh, oh. So.
2: Hold on. Buckle up.
3: I this a is, a uh... pictures of him protesting. Yeah. And then a huge flyer that he was passing out with lots of interesting information. So, James Lee was a self-proclaimed radical environmentalist, which is an eco-terrorist in my
2: terms. So. Yeah, very much so. Like, literally, in one of these pictures, the sign says, the hell with the troops, disarm them, and make them clean up depleted uranium.
3: Yep. I put some of the best ones that in is, here. That is
2: a good one. That's <laughs> wild and a little extra, but... Yes.
3: So... If you don't know what a radical environmentalist or an eco terrorist is, uh, if you've ever heard of PETA. Yes. Or the Animal Liberation Front. Yes. Or Sea Shepherd Conservation Organization.
2: No, but. The sea sure Shepherd are
3: the people who go out and attack boats off oh, of Alaska. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. So. Okay. Yeah. They have those inflatable boats that they t- like to like take the out like little dinghies and, and uh, terrorize fishermen. Uh, they I mean, I'm okay with them going over to J- because they went over to Japan and did it with the whale mm, fishing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay with that. But like stealing, bombing, yep, all that fun stuff. Those organizations are are groups that under the guise, they say that they're aiding the liberation of the earth and animals from humanity. So, making sure that they're on a level playing with field us. But okay. really, they go to these extra lengths to harm people in their quest to save the environment and animals. So, theft, whatever. Um, but they're like actively making... Most of these people are making bombs and chaining things... To people and doing all kinds of terrible things,
2: which I've always found really strange. Because for people who are like all about non-violence against animals, they're pretty yeah, fucking yeah. violent. One of the
3: scariest things that they do, and um, a lot of these uh, environmental activist groups—not so much the animal ones, but the ones that try to save forests and land is they will drive big huge nails into trees so that when people go to cut them down it kicks back and that has killed people. Oh my god. So when you hit metal and you have a chainsaw it will whip the chain off of the chainsaw. Yeah. And that chain will come back at
2: the person who is
3: utilizing the chainsaw.
2: That's crazy. So
3: there's things like that. They've actually thrown you know PETA's known for throwing blood but there have been people who've thrown acid and done acid attacks oh my god um, yeah so there's all kinds of terrorist activities that these people participate in uh James Lee adhered to these kinds of principles and was building his own version of PETA called save the planet org uh the website was actually just recently taken down okay um, so this is something that's been occurring what was this 2008 so that was still up for a while yeah yeah <laughs> um you can still see some of the stuff that was on his website. It's just very hard to find.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm sure you, you might be able to go in the Wayback Machine and Yeah, if you see put it, it in the
3: website, nothing comes up. It's like, no. this is no longer a domain. <laughs> mm. So the organization focused on attacking the Discovery Channel. Yep. The Discovery Channel.
2: You know, I saw <laughs> that in your notes when um, we first started researching these. And I was like, is that like the actual yep. Discovery Channel? Yep. <laughs> and like the TV channel. The TV channel. like the Discovery Channel. Yeah, like Alaskan crab fishing and, and, and Gold Rush. Yep. And mm-hmm. okay. Oh, we'll okay, get to, We'll get to all that stuff. Oh, okay. Um,
3: we believed the Discovery Channel was actually in cahoots with big organizations and other people to destroy the planet and not help it. So their claim, uh, the Discovery Channel says that they're helping save the planet mm-hmm. in a lot of their taglines and stuff. Yeah. Um, he stated that it was evident through their programming on the channel that they were actively participating in the destruction of the Earth. <laughs> yep, let that sink in. Shark Week? Yep, mm-hmm. Now, there's not much info available about Lee before he started the website. I wanted to know more about, like, what got him into this sort of environmentalism, but I wasn't really able to find anything about him in, during school or growing up. The environment did a great job of scrubbing him from existence.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so all of the articles surprisingly I found enough
3: was things that happened during the first protest he participated in, and then the last protest. Okay. Outside of the Discovery Channel building. We're just going to kind of concentrate on that. I would love to know more, but... Yeah. Maybe with time.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: I will say uh, that to me... His version of environment, um, environmentalism was more about the hatred of the world and humanity, and not even necessarily about saving the planet. Okay, if you obviously saw some of the posters that I had put up on here from his protest about yeah. saving, don't save the troops, make them clean up depleted uranium. Um, yeah, what is this fucking Chernobyl? Like, I know that was that was
2: very. Um, I don't know. Yeah. All I can think of was Chernobyl. (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
3: Uh, Lee did have a couple brushes with the law. He, which I found this information. I was like, how is this even fucking related? In 2003, he was arrested for human trafficking for smuggling people in from Mexico. Okay. He didn't serve any time for this, but it doesn't seem to really correlate or... Even seem like his personality if he had such a, dis- like a,
2: he despised people. So, yeah. Th- and that I
3: thought was very strange.
2: Yeah, that is kind of weird.
3: He also protested out of the Discovery Center building, which is in Silver Springs, Maryland, in 2008. Okay. He was arrested during this protest for disorderly conduct and littering. <laughs> Wait for it. That's funny. During this week long protest, he paid homeless people to sit and form a barricade around the wall walls of the building while he threw money around outside like actual cash thrown everywhere there is one video I found of a guy walking down the street in Maryland going I don't know what's going on but someone's throwing money everywhere that's the only video I found of this you can look really
2: it up. he just
3: took stacks of Money and was throwing it outside as he's yelling things. It was very confusing. That's a
2: strange protest. I don't
3: understand his tactic. No.
2: No, me neither. so
3: Following the arrest, uh Lee represented himself, which we know is always the best choice. Uh the court suggested that he undergo a psych evaluation, which he did, and oh, they good. deemed him to be competent. Oh great. Okay. He did serve two weeks in jail for this and was given two years supervised probation and ordered not to come within 500 feet of the Discovery
2: Channel building. So wait, was the littering for the throwing of the money? Yep. That's kind of funny. That's pretty funny. Yeah, that's clever charging. Yes.
3: (laughs) The poster of the protest is above, and we will put a link to that, and that just kind of describes what his intentions are, why he's protesting... And it gives a rundown of of all kinds of weird, not even related things. Yeah. It's pretty strange to read. So I highly suggest reading that. So in July of 2010, a couple years later, Lee posted a pseudo manifesto of sorts, which he dubbed his list of demands on his website, Save the Planet Protest.
2: Did Before you go into this, mm-hmm. did he have like... Support around him. I mean, was this just there kind were of people
3: like attending the first him? Protest.
2: Okay, so yeah. this wasn't just him doing these to be like I'm trying to make a point as a single person. There are like people supporting him as
3: they weren't directly supporting his position on the Discovery Channel. Yeah, they were supporting his position on saving the planet.
2: Okay, he, okay,
3: it it siphoned all through his hatred for the Discovery Channel. Okay. There were people protesting, you know, to save the planet. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Not necessarily to take down. Because I feel
2: like panel. it would be a lot stranger. Well, it's it's hard to, you can be on the fringes of like these protest movements where you're just oh, yeah. like one Go to any guy. Go You will
3: see weird things yes. that are interconnected together. Yes. I went to a protest outside of the Boeing building in Chicago when I was in high school. And
2: I was, feel like you've actually brought that up on the I podcast have. before. I
3: have. There was groups of anarchists, there were groups of communists, there were middle-aged white women, there were families there. So you start to see all these different groups, and you can see their signs, how they relate to the protest, but also state very strange things that are not related to the protest. Yeah. I highly recommend going to at least
2: one protest in your life so you can just see. Yeah. Just see what like it's Boeing about. is killing birds, but also stop vaccinating your children. <laughs> Yeah, there was some weird stuff that was just,
3: like, this rabbit hole of, like, political conspiracy theory and uh, war profiteering and creating wars that don't exist, that sort yeah. of thing.
2: Well, part of me feels like now Boeing it's... Boeing
3: builds fucking planes, yeah,
2: right? <laughs> Now it's probably even weirder because you have organizations like QAnon or, like, oh, these yeah. random, mm-hmm. like like, you said, conspiracy theorist-based... Oh yeah, organizations. Ugh. Also,
3: lots of white supremacist organizations have just been showing up at protests in hopes that Antifa people will be there. To oh start yeah, fights. no, So that's
2: fun. <laughs> mm, Behind the Bastards just did a great episode on that one guy. I forget whose name Which it is. Which one? They did like three episodes. They about just recently. I was going to say just recently. All of them. All of them. <laughs> the guy, they guy who just was did, pretending
3: to have a British accent. Yeah, was American. Yeah, and that lived one. In Portland.
2: That yeah. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh. No. Anyway, we digress.
3: <laughs> We've been off the rails. So I'm going to read his list of demands because I think this really highlights the lunacy that this man a is good word diving for it. into. Yeah. <laughs> so. The Discovery Channel must broadcast the world to the world their commitment to save the planet and to do the following immediately. I'm going to yell all the uppercase words so okay. you can see how insane this sounds. Oh, God. Some of these are full sentences in all caps. Yep. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. The Discovery Channel and its affiliate channels must have daily television programs at primetime slots based on Daniel Quinn's My Ishmael. Pages 207 to 212, where solutions to save the planet would be done in the same way as the Industrial Revolution was done, by people building on each other's inventive ideas. Focus must be given on how people can live without giving birth to more filthy human children, and since those new additions continue pollution and are pollution, a game show format contest would be in order. Perhaps also forums of leading scientists who understand and agree with the Malthus Darwin science and the problem of human overpopulation. Do both. Do all until something works and the natural world starts improving and human civilization building stops and is
2: reversed. Make
3: it interesting so
2: people watch and apply solutions. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> I love that. The, the last line. Make it interesting so people will watch and apply solutions. <laughs> it's all in cap. Yeah, it is. Oh my god. So that's a little wild. But what is this My Ishmael? It's Do you know? It's a book. It's okay. a novel. Oh, Yeah. So it's not even nonfiction? No. Where it's like... The
3: Malthus Darwin theory is about evolution and survival of the fittest. But My Ishmael is a
2: stupid novel. (laughs) Because I would have assumed it would have been from some, like, a nonfiction, like, theory book of Mm -hmm. ways to, you know, not like... I don't know. That'd be like somebody picking up Moby Dick and being like, this is the solution to climate change. I
3: mean, it could be. (laughs) Whales revolt. That is the solution to climate change. (laughs) All right. Number two. All programs on Discovery Health, TLC, must stop encouraging the birth of any more parasitic human infants and the false heroics behind those actions. In those programs, places, programs encouraging human sterilization and infertility must be pushed. All former pro birth programs must now push in the direction of stopping human birth, not encouraging it. John and plus wow. <laughs> Well,
2: I'm That's also thinking like to. I'm also thinking well, they had more than that. I mean mm-hmm. they had like is not I didn't know I was pregnant on TLC. isn't that a thing? Yes, I don't know if they' if they're all one group or not. I'd be curious I totally and you know what honestly completely forgot that like discovery also owns TLC. Mm-hmm. And that they are under the same parent company. Yeah, they also. I think there's one other one too. <sighs> I wonder. Keep going. I'm just going to so, look into some three, stuff.
3: All programs promoting war and the technology behind those must cease. There is no sense in advertising weapons of mass destruction anymore. Instead, talk about ways to disassemble civilization and concentrate the message on finding solutions to solving global military mechanized conflict. Again, solutions, solutions. Instead of just repeating the same old wars and the new weapons, also keep out the fraudulent peace movements. They are liars and fakes and had no real intentions of ending the war. All of them are fake! On one hand, they claim they want the wars to end. On the other hand, they are demanding the human population increase. World War Two and 2 billion humans, and after, the war, after that war, the people decided that tripling the population would assure peace. What the fuck? Stupidity! More humans equal more wars! <laughs> what?
2: I... Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> I like the assumption that more people equals equals more wars, but I also appreciate the fact that in his manifesto he used WTF. Yes. <laughs>
3: Number four, civilization must ex- be exposed for the filth it is. That and all its disgusting religious cultural roots and greed. Broadcast this message until the pollution and the planet is reversed and the human population goes down. This is your obligation. If you think it isn't, then get the hell off the planet. Breathe oil. It is the moral obligation of everyone living otherwise. What good are they?
2: <sighs> no is comment. The, this, is the, this, is, this, is, this is the problematic one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> is it? Oh, yeah. no. Number okay. five. Okay. (laughs) Wait, hold on. Before you go on, I just love the fact that number five starts with immigration, colon. Right? It's like all of a sudden it turns into a project. Yeah, here's the title. I'm talking about immigration now. Here is what I am going to say. Immigration. So, immigration.
3: Programs must be developed to find solutions to stopping all immigration pollution and the anchor baby filth that follows that. Find solutions to stopping it. Call for people in the world to develop solutions to stop it completely and permanently. Find solutions for these countries so they stop sending their breeding population to the U.S. and the world to seek jobs and therefore breed more unwanted pollution babies. Find solutions for them to stop their human growth and the exportation of that disgusting filth. The first world is feeding the population growth of the third world, and those human families are going to where the food is. They must stop procreating new humans looking for non existent jobs.
2: Uh, that's, that's pretty
3: problematic.
2: Very, very relevant to now. It is, but that's wicked problematic. Mm. I mean that's like Yeah. <sighs> Okay.
3: Six. Find solutions for global warming, automotive pollution, international trade, factory pollution, and the whole blasted human economy. Find ways so that people don't build more housing pollution, which destroys the environment, to make way for more human filth. Find solutions so that people stop breeding as well as stop using oil in order to reverse global warming and the destruction of the planet. Okay. Number seven. Develop shows that mention the Malthusian science about how food products lead to the overpopulation of the human race. Talk about evolution. Talk about Malthus and Darwin until it sinks into the stupid people's brains until they get it. They're actually, this is proving, like... they're actually disproving Darwin's theory of evolution, so never are they? mind. Oh, yeah. Oh. It's not about survival of the fittest. There's actually more randomness involved. Oh. Anyway.
2: <laughs> but it's still an evolution of sorts. Yes. Okay. They're, they're
3: disproving the survival of the fittest aspect of it. Okay. Because there are certain populations of animals that guard their weakest. Yeah. Okay. To further that population, so I the gotcha. survival of the gotcha. isn't necessary.
2: I'm just making sure that evolution <laughs> is, really is still, a yes. science, still a thing. Because evolution is still a thing. Science, y'all. His specific version of it is questionable. I'm gonna take. <laughs> I'm gonna take a hard stance and say on this show we believe in science. I do believe in science. Okay, we believe in science I don't on this believe show.
3: In big science, though, like pharmaceuticals. Well, that's a different.
2: <laughs> but you can't
3: say broad science, science, unless you think of all of the things under that.
2: Vaccinate ball. your kids. <laughs> evolution is real those sciences yes I believe in those <laughs> sciences
3: <laughs> 8 saving the planet means saving what's left of the non-human wildlife by decreasing the human population that means stopping the human race from breeding any more disgusting human babies you are the media you can reach enough people it is your responsibility because you reach so many minds number 9 Develop shows that will correct and dismantle the dangerous U.S. world economy. Find solutions for their disastrous Ponzi casino economy before they take the world to another nuclear war. That one
2: is a very poetic one. <laughs> so this is interesting because, again, it's like, well, you're not totally wrong entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I d- one, I don't Ponzi know. Ponzi casino.
1: Ooh. Ponzi casino, yeah.
2: I don't know how... The Discovery Channel would (laughs) dismantle the U.S. world economy. Right. One. Um, Two, I'm pretty sure that the economy is a little outside of the purview of the Discovery Channel. Are you sure? I think they talk about like nature and shit.
0: Last I knew. Fishing
3: and family. Nature. And fishing and family. Nature.
2: But like, industrialized fishing yes yes and families yes but definitely not the new york stock exchange no <laughs> economics are difficult, yeah no but. it's like here's the discovery channel and up here on a whole other level is the economy and the two will never meet they run in parallel lines <laughs> Um I think you're
3: wrong because Discovery Channel actually is the puppeteer for all things in the government and the economy.
2: <laughs> Discovery they Channel has been running the Illuminati this whole Discovery time. Is the they are the Illuminati. <laughs> oh man.
3: I have two more, I swear. Okay. Okay, This is ten. No, this is fun. I'm enjoying
2: this. <laughs> this is, it's a wild ride. Yeah.
3: Number 10. Stop all shows glorifying human birthing on all your channels and on TLC. Stop future weapons shows or replace the dialogue condemning the people behind these developments so that the shows become, become exposes. Okay, exposes. I'm like exposes. Exposes. Exposés, rather than advertisements of arms sales and developments. So I think they're talking about like the pawn shop. And the gun trading shows.
2: Gotcha. So while we were talking about all of this, I did a quick search for like... TLC birthing shows, right? Mm-hmm. So we have things like a dating story, labor games, 19 kids and counting. Labor games. I didn't even, I don't know what that is. I didn't know I was pregnant. John and Kate plus eight, which is now Kate plus eight, um, table for 12, mm-hmm. sweet home sex, tuplets, bringing home baby, uh, wedding I story. A baby
3: story was on there.
2: One born every minute. Some of these aren't long, aren't on anymore. Yeah. But I mean, clearly, Mm -hmm. like
3: but they're positing them as family
2: stories yeah which they are most of them except for maybe I I didn't know I was pregnant they do they do have a birthing
3: agenda (laughs) yeah because all the stories hinge on someone giving birth to a bunch of fucking kids that's it I see The birthing agenda needs to be stopped.
2: They're secretly making me want to have kids. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Every one of those shows, I'm just like, close it up. No. I'm not really into that kind of garbage. I'm more into the like spooky um, stories. (laughs) Intervention. Hoarders. I'm into that kind of garbage. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of garbage TV I like. Uh, My strange addiction. Oh. yeah I watch a lot of documentaries and yes. history channel yes. and sci-fi but this is I was gonna say this is also <laughs> if you're thinking that I watch regular TV which typically I don't yeah, it's like no. Netflix Hulu Handmaid's I Tale just, hey
3: exactly oh, I just don't, so good I don't really like any of those like pseudo reality no. TV shows at all no because I'm already surrounded by so many terrible things and people and places <laughs> like keeping up with the more.
2: Kardashians oh God, vomit. I've Speaking never seen pseudo reality like yeah let's not we're just gonna move on from that
3: <laughs> yes so this is the Last point on his list. Okay, not the last thing he says. (laughs) Eleven. You're also going to find solutions for unemployment and housing. All these unemployed people make me think the U.S. is headed towards
2: more war. I also want to say before you move on, really quick, that I love you saying all these as like definitive statements. Like you're going to find solution for unemployment. You are. Do it. It's like okay. I'm just, just doing a show about. I'm just the animals. Discovery Channel. It's just Shark Week. I don't know. I don't know.
3: So. He goes on. These aren't bulletin points, but there's a lot. Yeah. Uh, humans are the most destructive, filthy, pollutive creatures around and are wrecking what's left of the planet with their false morals and breeding culture. We heard that at the beginning. For every human born, acres of wildlife forest must be turned into farmland in order to feed that new addition over the course of 60 to 100 years of the new human's lifespan. This is at the expense of the forest creatures. <laughs> all human procreation farming must cease you must cease all farming That seems a bit overkill. Mm. Um, It is the responsibility of everyone to preserve the planet they live on by not breeding any more children who will continue their filthy practices. Children represent future catastrophic pollution, whereas their parents are current pollution. No more babies. Population growth is a real crisis. Even one child born in the U.S. will use 30 to 1,000 times more resources than a third world child. It's like a couple are having thirty babies, even though it's just one. If the U.S. goes in the direction, maybe other countries will too. No
2: more babies.
3: No more babies. <laughs> also, war must be halted because you can just put okay. a stop on it. Discovery
2: Channel, halt the wars, halt all, all of all them, the wars.
3: all of them, please. <laughs> Not because it's morally wrong. Okay. But because of the catastrophic environmental damage modern weapons cause to other creatures. Find solutions just like the book says. What
2: book? Humans are supposed to be inventive. Invent, damn you. Oh my god. Did he actually say that in the thing? That yes. was the thing he said. Invent Damn yeah. You. Uh-huh. Oh my yeah. god. These are all his words. I'm not adding an- might have to anything. be the title of this episode because I love that.
3: Invent, damn, Invent you. damn You. The world needs TV shows that develop solutions to the problems that humans are causing, not stupefy the people into destroying the world, not encouraging them to breed more environmentally harmful humans. Saving the environment and the remaining species diversity of the planet is now your mindset. Nothing is more important than saving them. The lions, tigers, giraffes, elephants, frogs, Froggies, turtles, apes, raccoons, beetles, ants, sharks, bears, and of course
2: the squirrels. Oh my god! Very specific. Weird. <laughs> so weird. Froggies. I know that's the one that caught me off guard. Was You're like a grown man, sir. Froggies.
3: The humans. The planet does not need humans. <laughs>
2: Oh, my God.
3: (laughs) You must know the human population is behind all the pollution and problems in the world. And yet, you encourage the exact opposite instead of discouraging human growth and procreation. Surely, you must already know this.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that one was smaller. That one is (laughs) lowercase.
3: Yes. I want Discovery Communications to broadcast on their channels to the world with their new programs lineup, and I want proof they are doing it. So, like, you can just watch the shows. I want the new shows started by asking the public for inventive solution ideas to save the planet and the remaining wildlife on it. These are the demands and sayings of Lee. Whoa, Lee. Whoa there. I haven't even got to a hostage situation yet. No, no but that was fun. My mind is hostage to all of his ideas. <laughs> So that is what we're working with And the kind of lunacy that this man is Holding My So goodness. that was July of 2020 Or 2010 not 2020 We're in the future of 2010 July of next year <laughs> Around 1pm on September 1st of 2010 Security offers at the Discovery Channel building Called authorities to report James Lee was on the premise So if you remember earlier The last time he protested he had a Court order to stay away from the building Yeah, He did not abide Right at that time, they did not know that the, he had weapons until he came into the building. Upon his entrance, security personnel immediately sent out an alert to all employees to evacuate the building, as there was a potential lethal person in the building.
2: Okay. So,
3: Ali appeared to have canisters strapped to his chest. Mm. And so he everyone thought he was carrying a bunch of explosives as soon as he entered the building he let out a gunshot upon entering as he approached the security desk so it was a good thing that they cl- told everyone to get out of the building yeah now one of the scary things was there is a daycare on premise inside of the discovery channel building which they i mean i had flashbacks to oklahoma city bombing they immediately got those kids out of there good. like boom good. The separate entrance gone yeah um they were all evacuated across the street um, 1900 people were inside the building that day and only 12 to 13 people remained. There is a debate about yeah. 13. It's So 12. that's pretty good to that's get good. that many they out. We have 12 people. Left. Yeah. Uh, Lee took three people hostage. There was a security guard and two other males and he had them in the main entrance. And it was, if you look at a picture of the building, it's all glass. It's all yeah. Open glass. Yeah. Um, So he began some brief negotiations with uh, the police department. They were on the phone with Lee for about four hours, listening to him rant, but not really demanding things. Mm -hmm. Um, He was just like, check out my manifesto on my website.
2: This is what I want. Oh, God. Um,
3: They also watched the surveillance cameras in the building, and they were kind of tracking him walking back and forth. So they had a really good idea where he was, and they had set up snipers in place just in case. Now, Police Chief J. Thomas Manger of the Montgomery County Police Department stated, at times during the negotiation, he was calm, but I wouldn't call him lucid. The conversation was indicative to me that he was dealing with some sort of mental issues. So if you read that manifesto, we could definitely say that he has some severe mental issues. I would say so, yeah. Even though in an earlier case where he went under psychiatric evaluation and they said he was fine, I, I think he's just really good at hiding it.
2: Yeah, yeah
3: now the three hostages were on the ground in front of Lee, but it appeared that he had not actually tied them up in any way so they were just laying on their stomachs and he just had his gun and the stuff strapped to his chest. Yeah. Lee also did not communicate with the hostages much at all. Didn't really tell them to repeatedly, like, stay down or anything like that. Um, which would kind of be a point that would turn this whole thing into a disaster. (laughs) Well, for Lee, anyway. Yeah. Um, He was speaking with the negotiators and trying to, like, keep his insane ideas about the Discovery Channel going. And at this point, one of the hostages kind of moved, like, started to wiggle a little bit. Not get up all the way, but just kind of like, you know, you're laying on your stomach for four fucking hours. Yeah, you're going to need to move. This immediately made Lee freak the fuck out, causing him to draw his gun. He kept it pointed directly at the back of the hostages' head as he started screaming, what he was talking about to the negotiators. At yeah. this point, the police department decided it's a go. We need to go in. So they uh, let the snipers in position uh, know that they needed to take a shot. Yeah. So they took a shot, and he was struck in the head, and immediately died. Yeah. The remaining hostages were evacuated, and upon coming to the scene, it was discovered that Lee did, in fact, have several makeshift incendiary devices attached to him and oh with my him God. in packaging.
2: Oh, my God. So,
3: the hostage situation ended with only one kill, which was James Lee, um... And, yeah, none of them were That's hit or wild. anything. He never got anything. And it was about a four-hour standoff. So, in the grand scheme of hostage situations, it's not that bad. I picked this one, though, because I thought there was some really interesting buildup to this. And, to be fair, some of the things he talks about are not totally crazy ideas. right? But the way in which he's talking about it the people that he's asking to fix the, so- the problems find yeah. these solutions it doesn't yeah. make any sense no like, none of it makes sense when you string it all together and no. do what he did yeah i agree television channels are f- full of trash full of trash yeah and i'm not gonna watch it that's fine and yeah we are very clearly destroying the planet right but the Discovery Channel can't do anything about that, okay? No. Like, no. everyone as an active citizen needs to do something about it. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just, it's a roller coaster. It's a roller it's, coaster of like, okay, that's a good point, but also maybe not the immigration points.
2: <laughs> it's hard to justify. Yeah, that's the thing is like some of the stuff like in there, like in. the <laughs> stuff about immigration, the stuff about the economy. Mm. I mean, even like. I, I, the whole thing, the whole thing, really was yeah. just absurd and ridiculous. And I'm so glad you read it all.
3: I know. I was. I debated was really back and fun. forth. No. I, was like, I just read a couple. But I'm so like, no, glad
2: you read the whole thing. This
3: really highlights how insane he was and why everyone was confused about what he was doing.
2: I know. Yeah. No, <laughs> also, that was like, good. save
3: the planet protest, like. That's so vague and she's yeah. very specific to Discovery Channel. It's just like so confusing.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. That was good, Chanel. Yeah. I so like that. That was the Discovery Channel hostage situation. Oh <laughs> if you are on the verge of taking some hostages, take a deep breath and listen to this podcast. Ever wish you had sisters? Come be our four sisters. We bitch. I mean, discuss. Childhood, adulthood, sisterhood. All the hoods of life. And the painfully hilarious moments that make
1: them.
3: Our way of coping is a lot more fun than therapy. We We promise. promise. Wait, you guys, we didn't even say the name of the podcast. Listen to Damn Girl on iTunes
2: so that has been our show for this week um thank you all for joining us i don't think we have any reviews this week right
3: now. no reviews okay but we got
2: some events coming events. Up. so you go first yours sure. happens first i think hey guys we want you to come hey guys hey guys it's me janelle, it's me janelle.
3: i don't know if you know this but november 16th which is a saturday yes so y'all should come. Yes. Uh, we will be at the True Crime Expo at yes. Veterans Memorial Hall in Rockford, which is... The address is 211 North Main Street, right in downtown. Perfect spot. Great parking. Um, we will be there doing a live show with Haunted Rockford. We will also be seeing filmmaker John Borowski. Yes. Who, if you love True Crime like we do, he did the H.H. H. Holmes documentary. He did. He's doing one currently about Gacy, which yeah. I'm super fucking excited for. I
2: know. I keep seeing stuff about that on the on his website or yes. facebook or something yeah it looks really good
3: it. and then there will be two authors there whose names are let me go down sylvia schultz and scott marcus so we're all gonna be talking about true crime it is 15 dollars per person in advance 20 dollars at the door you can go on hauntedrockford.com to get tickets they should be up pretty soon yeah um but yeah come come Hear stories with
2: us. Yes. <laughs> um the other thing that we're gonna be doing in November is on November 23rd. third. Third. 24th. No, it's the, <laughs> yeah, because we're on the Sunday. Yes, You're I'm right, like, you're what? right, you're right. I'm sorry. I said
3: that the last episode. I hope it's correct. No, no, no.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, so the whole event is the 23rd and the 24th. It's Mr. Willie's Dark Arts and Oddities Con. We will only be there on the 20, on Sunday, November 24th from 11 to 7 p.m. We're going to be there talking to people, doing some fun stuff. Mm-hmm. It's also since it's some in, games to play. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> since it's an Oddities Con, there's going to be a lot of really interesting stuff there so if you like bones if you like dead things if you like weird stuff Mm -hmm. like we do come out and there's gonna be totally different vendors from day one to day two Mm -hmm. um so this is gonna be at the red roof Inn in dekalb illinois um and as we get a little closer when tickets become available we'll be posting all that information to our social media remember
3: is the tail end of spooky season so we're going to end it with a bang. <laughs>
2: lots of lots of bangs. Yes. Mm? Okay. Before, we, before we get into family season. Oh, God <laughs> yes familicide. Um, We'll see baby. I got to try and convince Janelle are to do another commit, one.
3: Are you committing uh, yeah. familicide
2: or what, oh, what's happening? <laughs> no. But it is the time for the yes. all the families Nothing get together. Nothing says holidays like a yeah. Um, <laughs> If you want to listen to more episodes like this one you can go to Bad Taste Crime Dot com. We're also available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, B- Spotify, iHeartRadio, <laughs> Podcast. Um, like, yes. no. um, you can Nina. find <laughs> any information you need about uh, merch or if you want to donate or any of that. It's all on com. Do it. Do it. Uh, so with that being said, we are going to say our music is by Jason Zakshevsky. Wait, I did it backwards. You did it backwards this time. Sorry, right. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> Our sound and editing is by Tiff Fulman. Ecstatic. It was the head moves. <laughs> Our sound and editing is by Tiff Fulman. Our music is by Jason Zakshevsky. The Enigma. <laughs> bow, bow, bow. <laughs> Just this, has been, that. this has been the Bad Taste Crimecast in two weeks. In two weeks? I don't. I'm clearly... We will see you in two weeks. Oh my god. In two weeks we will see you. Stop making babies!
3: <laughs> Save the planet! Save the planet! Economics! <laughs> Malthusian journalism! <Discommonism. Discommonition.
1: laughs>
0: left their
3: on the along the highway.
0: Was as if a wave of zebo washed over this town. We tower? are all